Ephesians 6, 2 Corinthians 10, 2 Timothy 2. In Ephesians chapter 6, let's go to verse 11. In Ephesians 6, verse 11. Paul here, he says, put on the whole armor of God. Everybody say whole armor. So we got put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I like the schemes of the devil. I like that better. So we put on the whole armor of God so that we may be able to stand against the schemings of the devil. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare... Everybody say that with me. The weapons of our warfare. All right? So we have put on the whole armor of God. Now we have, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Or pulling down strongholds. But notice, the weapons of our warfare. Okay, we have weapons here. So we have armor. We have weapons. I want you to go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. 2 Timothy 2, 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So it shows us here that we're engaged in warfare. So we have the whole armor of God, we have weapons, and we are in a warfare, it says, that we are a soldier. Say it with me, I'm a soldier. All right. I'm not going to get into you're a soldier in the army of God. That just sounds so canned and cheesy, you know. But you are a soldier and you're engaged, it says here, in warfare. Now, what do these scriptures have in common that we looked at? Well, you only need to wear armor if you're in an active war zone. In other words, you're wearing the armor. Why? Because someone's actively trying to shoot at you. Somebody's doing something. You only need weapons if an enemy is present. If there's no enemy present, what do I need weapons for? And so I want you to consider this, that these scriptures are implying that you and I are in a military conflict. We are in a conflict. We are in the war zone, so to speak. We are present in warfare. All right? Now, whether you know it or not, and most Christians are not aware of it, we are engaged in a military conflict. We are engaged in a spiritual battle. Not a natural battle, even though there are natural battles all over the world. We are engaged in a spiritual battle. Whether you choose to be involved or not, whether you choose to say, I don't believe that, whether you choose to acknowledge it, it doesn't matter. The fact is you're in it. Whether you like it or not, it's just the way it is you were born into it. And we need to understand that this active spiritual battle is going on, and there are many, 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 many Christians that are <laughs> have no clue. They have no idea that things are going around them. Or you might be reading what we read and look at it from the standpoint of, oh, yes, that sounds good. Like I said, we're in the army of the Lord. Um, let's march. Let's... In other words, we're, we're playing it like it's not really real. 
There's no real enemy. There's no one really trying to kill us. Well, I remember hearing, uh, and everybody here know who Andrew Womack is? Um, he's a minister out of, out of Colorado. And I remember him telling his experience the first time he actually was in a military conflict. He said that he uh, was, I don't know if he was drafted or not. I think he went in on his own, but I could be wrong. But it doesn't matter, drafted or not. Anyway, he's in there, and of course he goes through basic training, and during basic training, you know, they had their, you know, teaching him how to defend himself and how to hurt someone else and, and how to, in other words, handle an enemy, what to do and how to handle it, how to work with your superiors, how to use various weapons and so on. And then, of course, they played, you know, the things where the scenarios where people are firing and shooting at them, and so they're uh, trying to live through it, so to speak. And so, you know, he would describe that, you know, there was areas we'd be crawling through areas and you could hear things whizzing over your head. Now, they were fake, okay? He knew they were fake, but he said the explosion sure did sound real. They looked real from a distance. The bullets, even though he knows they wouldn't have killed me, sounded real. <laughs> but he said all the time, somewhere in there, I knew they were fake. I knew they weren't real. So kind of like a kid playing a video game, you know, he knows I, I'm really not going to get killed doing this, okay, at this point in the game, at this point in life. And so he goes through all, finally it came time, they're done his training, and they're going to send him off. And I'm not sure, I, I want to say it was Vietnam, but I could be wrong, it doesn't matter. But he said it was live battle going on when he was in the copter and his superior said, okay, everybody dive out, hit the ground immediately. I mean, and he wasn't playing games. He said, hit the ground immediately, stay on your belly, and this is where you're supposed to go. And he said, he gets down in his belly, and he can hear explosions going off left and right, just like that training. And he could hear bullets whizzing over his head, just like that training. And he's going through the whole motions, and he said, I was doing pretty good. You know, I'm on the ground doing my thing, just like I did in training. And he said, that night, I'm in bed and I realize, dear God, these people are really trying to kill me. In other words, it just hit him. This is not fake anymore. Those were real bullets, real bombs, real explosions. They were trying to kill me. See, what we need to come into the realization is that we really, 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 really are in a real spiritual battle. There are casualties in this battle. There are people that don't do so well. There are many Christians that don't do very well. And so we need to recognize that. We need to recognize that we have a real enemy. Everybody say real enemy. Real. We have a real enemy. And this enemy, of course, we know his name is Satan. And he is a relentless, merciless, ruthless enemy. There is no character ever played by anything that could ever remotely come close to how evil he is nothing he is the prince of darkness i mean he is opposite god on every level i mean wicked as they come but when i say relentless he is relentless relentless he never quits if i mean he may have many faults many bad things we can pick on him about but the one thing you can't say is he's not lazy he is relentless have you ever noticed that in your life he is relentless, and he likes to hit you when you're down. Like a, a lion going after its prey. What does it want? It wants the weak ones. 
It wants the easy ones. It wants to take down the baby ones or somebody that's hurt already. That's how Satan operates. But he is merciless. There is no mercy in him. He will not find, you will not find mercy. You will not find, well, just jail time with him, so to speak. And I can mind my own business and he won't hurt me. That is not the way he works. Jesus made it very clear who our enemy is. You don't need to turn here, but if you want to write it down, you all know this, John 10.10, that Jesus told us that the thief does not come except. So when Jesus said this, the thief does not come except. What? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is his motivation. That is all he's interested in. Stealing, killing, and destroying. Okay? How many know destroying is worse than killing? Or I should say stealing. You know? I mean, he wants destruction. He wants, I mean, ruin. And he will go at any length to get it. He'll do whatever is necessary. Jesus made a distinction between Satan, our real enemy, and what he came for. What did he say? He said, I've come that you might have life. What life? The life of God and that life overflowing. That's what he wants. But he made it very clear that our enemy, Satan, is out there what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan is out to destroy the lives of people, saint or sinner. Doesn't matter to him. Doesn't matter to him. He's after a child. He's after the killing of innocent children. Do we not see that worldwide? He will destroy at any level, anyhow, any way he can. And when we think about it, he wants to get in your life, and he wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to do whatever it takes to steal, kill, and destroy every part of your life. If you let him get away with it, he will. <laughs> I mean, if you just stand by and think, I'll, just, I'll be a conscientious objector. I'm Switzerland. And I'm over here. No. There is no place on this planet that you can escape this spiritual battle we're talking about. You can't. The only way you're going to get out of this spiritual battle is if you die. Remember you heard me say one time, I think it was uh, Brother Hagin, somebody said, well, I I don't want to deal with the devil anymore. Will you pray with me? And he said, well, I'll have to pray that you die. Because that's the only way you're going to escape dealing with him. While you're here on this earth, while you're in these physical bodies, you are engaged in this spiritual battle whether you like it or not. Like I said, you were born right into it. Now, let's look at the devil some and how he operates. He is a masterful deceiver. And I don't think that word describes him good enough. Deception, he is, I mean, above board in. He is unmatched in deception. In John 8, 44, Jesus said that he is the father of lies. So in other words, he can do nothing but lie. Satan has done a great job of deceiving the world. You see, the world thinks Satan is a big joke. He's not real. Satan has painted a good picture of us. <laughs> Think about it, the silly evil force called the devil who walks around in a skin-tight red suit with horns, a tail, and a pitchfork. He's in jokes. The world would not claim that he exists. Well, the fact is, if you were the enemy, wouldn't you want to be invisible? Right? 
Think about it. What's our goal against our enemies? We build what? We build stealth fighters. Why? We want to be invisible. We want to hit you before you knew what was coming at you. Right? I mean, I guarantee you there is a race on in the military to make the first soldier that you can't see. They're already working it. They have been for years. I mean, some of the technology exists, and they can do some of the things that, you know, can kind of make someone hide in plain sight. Shoot, you ever see some of these military guys in camo? They're sitting there right there in front of you, and you don't see them. And the guys get a sniper right on someone, and then all of a sudden, you know, he jiggles something, and you, you finally see him. And he's like, he was right there the whole time, like a lion, just waiting right there quietly, and no one knew it. Well, think about that. If you're the enemy, the thing that you want on your side is the ability not to be seen, not to be noticed, not to be believable. And Satan has done an excellent job to get the world to believe he doesn't exist. He doesn't exist. And on top of that, Satan has done a wonderful job that if he can remove that he doesn't exist, and also at the same time blame God for every bad thing that happens on the planet. For example, a hurricane or tornado comes along, kills people, it destroys homes and property and all that damage, and we call it what? An act of God. How did we get there? Well, something we don't understand, and the devil helped us right along. He hid behind the corners in the bushes. No one knows he's there. They're laughing him off, and they're pointing at God. How, why does anybody want a love of God that would hurt someone? Why does anybody want to? Why would anybody listen to me carefully? Why would anybody want to love God that allows so many evil things to happen on this planet? Can you see how well Satan has done his what he wants to do? Be invisible. He's not, he's looking for glory, don't get me wrong, but it is not the way we think, you know. It's not the masterful plan at the end of a movie saying, look at me. That's not the way he is. He wants to be hidden. He doesn't want to be realized. Our enemy Satan is the hidden player behind the horrors we find around the world. Think about the bad things. Not just war, even though war is bad, but starvation, mutilation, abortion, Murder, strife, division, poverty, all these things. Listen, Satan is the one behind the curtain. Remember the Wizard of Oz? And remember the wizard really didn't have all these wizardry powers, remember? He was a smart guy who had all these things to make you believe that he was the all-powerful Oz. Satan is doing the same thing. He's not as powerful as he would like to be believed, but he's yanking the strings behind the curtain to make himself look that way. To the Christian, he wants to seem powerful and scary. And to the world, he wants to hide and not be seen and blame God for everything. And so what we need to do is recognize our real enemy. Listen to me carefully. You ever have a bad day? Maybe you had one today, you know? you heard the expression when it rains it pours (laughs) it seems like oh man one bad day then another bad day and then another bad day and then you seem to go a couple weeks and everything is good and you know right as rain and all is well and then all of a sudden bam you know and and all of a sudden it goes from 
from one thing to the next. And we want to blame everything. People, the government, the boss. We want to point the finger at it's this person, it's that person. But we need to understand that they are not the source of our problems. Satan is behind these things. Satan is behind him. Now, I do want to preface, I am not looking for the devil under every little minor thing. You have a cold, cast out the devil. You know, you had an unexpected bill, cast out that demon of poverty. You know, don't get weird, okay? Because people do get weird. They get into this spiritual battle stuff. And they want to go climb tall buildings to deal with things on high. And the problem is they don't stick with the Word of God. Stay with the Word of God, you'll always be okay. But you get off from the Word of God, you start saying, well, I have revelation above the Word. That's not in the Word. Well, you're, you're out farther than I want to go, buddy. Everybody say, stay with the Word. You stay with the Word, you'll be okay. Stay with the Word. Build your life on the Word. You build the ministry on the Word. You stay everything with the Word. You'll be, you're grounded. You're good. But when you get off on other things and say, well, I had a vision. I had a dream. Oh my gosh. I don't know how many Christians would imply to me, I had this dream. And they say, do you think God's speaking to me? If you have to ask, no. If you have a dream and you don't know exactly what the interpretation of that dream is, it's not God. It's the pizza you ate. Or you watching too many dumb movies or whatever it is influencing your thought life. But the reality is, I'm serious. Anytime I've ever had a dream from God, and I'm telling you, I don't think I can count more than once or twice. And I'm thinking once. And I, I knew exactly what the Lord was saying to me when I woke up. I knew exactly. But if you've got to wonder, it's not God. I'm telling you right now. Now listen carefully. The jerk that hassles you at work. Okay, and there are jerks. Okay, sometimes we can be a jerk. The reality is, though, that that is not the problem in your life. You need to look beyond that and understand that Satan is that he's the source behind everything. Okay, in some fashion or form, influencing things. Let me give you an example in Matthew chapter 16. Don't uh, well, go ahead and turn to Matthew 16, but don't start reading on me. All right. Matthew chapter 16, just turn there. Jesus began to talk to his disciples plainly about his last days on earth. Okay, he began to, this is the first time he really began to be very clear. And he told his disciples that, listen, soon we're going to go to Jerusalem. And we get to Jerusalem, things are going to take a turn. And I'm going to suffer. And eventually, and I'm paraphrasing, and then he basically told them, I'm going to be killed and I'm going to rise up the third day. He basically gave them the plan of God that is so glorious now. He gave to them, but you need to understand Jesus' point of view. Jesus was a man, okay, who was about to give his life. Even though he is all God, he is still all man. I guarantee you that conversation he had with his disciples was difficult for him to have. It was probably a challenge for him to give this conversation because he knows what's coming. See, they're clueless. They think that Jesus is going to rise up as king and we're going to take over and that's going to be what's going to happen. And they, were, they sorely misunderstood 
what was going to happen. And so they didn't really grasp what Jesus was saying. But I want you to see something very important in this very serious, literally, how many would agree, life-changing information that he's giving them. I mean, think about it. This is, if you want to say, was that world-changing, you know, that was a world-changing conversation. He basically gave them the last plan of what was about to happen, all right, and that he was going to rise the third day, all right? So he gives them this plan, but we see a glimpse of this spiritual battle take place, and I want you to see that when you're dealing with people. Look with me, Matthew chapter 16, and look at verses 22 and 23. Now, he told them what he was going to do, what was going to happen. Then Peter took him aside. So I want you to picture Peter takes Jesus aside, and he begins to rebuke him. He begins to say, no, Jesus, far be it from you, Lord, that this shall not happen to you. And he's saying, no way, no way. Now, what Jesus does is remarkable. Verse 23, but Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, For you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now we are seeing a glimpse into that spiritual battle. You see, you need to understand this. Peter, I believe Peter was completely sincere in what he said. But see, he was not thinking of the kingdom of God. He was not thinking in the direction the Spirit of God was leading. Jesus just told him what was going to happen, and he's saying, no, none of that's going to happen. Jesus, you shouldn't be talking like that. Now, who, now, what did Jesus say? I only say those things I hear my Father say. How many believe Jesus would only speak what he was directed to speak? And he gave the direction, the Holy Spirit gave the direction of what was going to happen through Jesus. And again, I bet you it was a very difficult thing He gave that information, and Peter immediately pulls him aside and says, No, Master, that won't happen. Not on my watch, no way. Now, that was the plan of God. Now, Jesus immediately looks at Peter. Get behind me, Satan. What we need to understand here is that Peter, who, again, he's not born again, all right? He is following Jesus. He loves Jesus. And I believe he would do a lot of things for Jesus. But Peter had a problem. His flesh usually got the best of him. He would jump into things without thinking. He was hasty and reacted to things. Remember, in other words, he was quick to anger. He didn't think about things and he just reacted. Remember when they were taking Jesus away? Who pulled out their sword? And immediately cut off Malchus's ear. Well, Jesus was a little bit annoyed with that. Peter! Settle down. Didn't I tell you all these things were going to happen? I'm cool. Why are you getting all upset? Right? Peter was jumpy. All right? He got ahead of things. Satan knew that. And he manipulated Peter. He got into his thoughts a little bit. And he began saying things. And Peter, without thinking about it, without settling down, without praying, what did he do? He just spit out what he heard inside his thoughts. And it was exactly what Satan was doing. Now, what was Satan doing? Satan is putting doubt in Jesus' ears. In other words, see, Satan doesn't want Jesus following the plan of God. Even though he doesn't know all the details, he really doesn't know. He still wants to plant doubt. Is Jesus doing good things? Does Satan know he's the enemy? 
Does he know he's the Son of God? Absolutely. And so even though he doesn't know every detail and plan, he's using a person who was, for lack of a better term, too dumb and stupid to realize the devil was using them. See, the devil knows human beings. You need to understand that. He's been around us and observed us a long time. And the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. In other words, we may know more technology-wise than Adam and Eve had, but doesn't mean we're any brighter. We follow the same stupid things, right? What was Adam's problem? He couldn't keep his eyes off Eve. And he would even focus on her than God. Does that sound like a problem today? And then the belly. What was the whole thing over? Piece of fruit that tastes good, that looked good. You know, it appealed to the flesh. Nothing's changed, guys. Satan is still using the same tactics against us. Exactly the same thing. The only thing that's changed with with mankind is, yes, we do have more knowledge and we have more capability, but human nature is human nature. It's still the same. But Satan has had, think about it now, 6,000 years to watch mankind, to watch us and see how we do things. And, And guess what? He can see you, but you can't see him. So he's watching. That's why, have you ever wondered why, man, I stumbled over the same thing? Have you ever wondered that? Man, I made the same mistake again. I fall into the same trap. Why? Because the enemy, it isn't literally Satan. Satan is the one that's overseeing. But that demon or whatever that's been watching you is taking notes. And knows what trips up Larry. He watches Larry. And he knows. Yep. If I can get Rita to do this. And Larry does this. Then it goes boom. Right? And then he says, wait a minute now, let's add Ashley to the mix. You know? And he's thinking. You see, we need to understand that (laughs) it's not just an accident. You ever have one of the greatest days of your life and all of a sudden strife comes and slams you sideways like an 18-wheeler? And you're like, where'd that come from? Think about it now. What is the devil's aim when you leave church on Sunday? To cause strife. To get you distracted, to get you to forget what you heard. You won't walk in what you forget. And so what he wants to do is what? Steal that seed. He wants to get it before it even has an opportunity to take root, before it even gets down in your heart. Now I'm getting off track here a little bit, but I want you to see that we need to recognize our enemy. That Jesus speaks directly to Satan. He looks at Peter, all right? But he knows Peter is not the problem. Jesus knew that. So when he looks at him, he's looking right past him. Get thee behind me, Satan. Your plans are not in line with God. In other words, he took Satan right off the bat and said, I know, it's, I know that you're behind this because of what I just said. You're trying to dissuade me from doing the right thing. So we need to understand, guys, that people, that the government, that all these things that we want to kind of blame, and well, if this was different, if that was different, if, this, if that wasn't that way, no, no. You're missing the point that Satan is behind it. He's behind the strife. He loves to stir up strife. Now, we help him. We open the door. We speak too fast. We're not filling ourselves up. And so why does the Bible, what does the Bible say? Don't give place to the enemy. 
don't have a kink in your armor, so to speak. Now, in the world we live in, I want you to understand that the whole world is influenced by Satan. Go in your Bibles real quickly and go to 1 John 5, verse 19. 1 John 5, verse 19. And I want you to see something. In 1 John 5, 19, it says, We know that we are of God. Amen. Say that with me. I know that I am of God. Amen. We know that. Praise God. But look what it says. And the whole world. Everybody say, the whole world. Get that. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. It doesn't say the dominion, so to speak. What does it say? The sway. In other words, Who's kind of manipulating things? Who's the the master wizard of Oz behind everything that is kind of stirring it up over here and stirring it up over there? He's got a plan and he's, he's working things in the background. And we need to understand, he is our enemy. If we deal with, listen to me, people are blinded. They don't know any better. There are Christians that don't know the Word of God like you do. That are, The Bible says the God of this world has blinded the hearts and minds of those who don't believe. So what's the problem? You can't shake them saying, why don't you understand? No, what you need to do is say, in the name of Jesus, Satan, get your filthy hands off of them. In Jesus' name, pray those prayers that in the beginning of Ephesians 1 and chapter 3, over that person. What are you doing? You're dealing with the source behind the problem. That's the problem. That's why they don't understand. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are believers here? Raise your hand. Now, honestly, tell me the truth. That is there any rational person in the entire world, if they understood the truth about Jesus Christ and what he did, would they not receive him? Anybody? Would anybody say, nah, I prefer hell? Anybody? Isn't it the most ridiculous thing that anybody does go to hell? If they knew the truth? But see, the problem is, it's not rational. The problem is there is an enemy who's clouding their thoughts, deceiving them. We see it in our nation now. We see it in our nation. We see it in the church. So we understand Satan is our real enemy. He's the one stealing. He's the one killing. He's the one destroying. But it doesn't have to be that way. Remember, Jesus came to give us the life of God. He was successful. Amen? He came And he defeated Satan. Acts 10.38 tells us how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about what? Doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. So in other words, Satan came what? To defeat the enemy. Right? And he did, praise God. He won the war. He defeated Satan. Satan has been stripped of his authority and power. And we're going to look at this more in the series as we move on. But the question somebody might ask me, wait a minute now, if Jesus won the war, (laughs) then what's our issue? What's the spiritual battle that we are in? Well, what is our fight, in other words? And this is our fight. If you want to write this down, our fight is to enforce the devil's defeat and Jesus' victory over all the power of the enemy. That is our fight. It is the good fight of faith. What's a good fight? The fight that you win. 
Amen? Jesus already won the fight. You and I, look at me, you and I are not going to fight the devil. He's already lost. The problem is this. (laughs) Through a lack of knowledge, Satan has been able to keep the body of Christ from knowing the truth. Knowing the truth about him. Knowing the fact that Jesus did defeat Satan. If they don't know something, you can't act on it. And we need to be reminded, a lot of you, of what you already know. To stir it up. So you recognize, wait a minute now. Because even in marriage, sometimes I can think, Lisa may be the problem. If only she would do this. If only she would do that. And the reality is that's not the problem. The problem is the one behind it stirring all the stuff up. And i got to look at myself. Am I walking in love? Am I controlling my temper? Am I treating her right? Instead of getting my eyes on her, start looking at myself and then start looking at, wait a minute now, what is the enemy doing? He's been stirring stuff up. Well, that's what we need to understand. But see, if you don't know this, if you're not aware of it, how can you walk in it? You can't act on something. Guys, listen to me carefully. You could have... You could have a $100,000 check in your wallet, but if you don't know that check's in your wallet, what good does it do you? Right? You've got all the money in the world to do what you want to do, (laughs) and you have no knowledge that it's there. And see, that's exactly where Satan wants you. If Satan is to be discovered to know that he's real and that he's not a figment of our imagination, then at least he wants you to be ignorant. There's a lot of church. The church wholeheartedly, for the most part, believes that Satan is real. But they also believe that God is their problem. And God's doing what His sovereign will is, keeping us sick, humbling us, keeping us poor. You see, how, do, how does Satan get away with that? Ignorance. Now, what's the, how, do you, how do you fix ignorance? Knowledge. You gain knowledge of the Word of God. And that truth that you what? Absorb into your life. That truth that becomes part of your life will set you free. Amen? Now listen, let's look at a couple of scriptures real quickly as we close. Colossians, go to Colossians 1, 1 John 4. I want you to meditate on these things. Look up a couple of different translations. Stir yourself up over the next week. Colossians chapter 1, and let's go to verse 13. Colossians 1, 13, this is the new King James And it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. I like this better. Now, the word power here is incorrectly translated, and it should be authority. You ought to write that down in your Bible. He has delivered us from the authority of darkness and conveyed us or moved us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. In other words, you and I have been delivered from the authority of darkness. We've been delivered from the authority of the devil. He has no a mastery over me. But see, the thing is, if we don't know it, <laughs> we can't act on what we don't know. And if we're not reminded of it to do it, we'll forget about it and let it slip. And so He has delivered us from the authority of darkness and moved us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. 1 John 4, verse 4. I love this one. Everybody look with me. 1 John 4, verse 4. Now look at the first part. You are of God, little children. Say it with me. I am of God. Now say, I am a child of God. Now say it like you mean it this time. Say, I am a child of God. 
you need to remember, I am a child of the living God. I am a child of the living God. You need to say it over and over until all of a sudden the revelation of it hits you on the inside. Many of you know it here, here, here. You know it in your head. You quote the verse, but it hasn't exploded on the inside of you. I'm a child of the living God. I belong next to Him. I go in the throne room of heaven and open the fridge and take what I want because I belong there. The problem is we are so timid about that. We just know about it. It's just head knowledge. And so we kind of flirt around. The devil reminds you of a couple of dumb things you did and all of a sudden you shrink back. Well, maybe I should just keep my mouth shut. You know, who am I? I'm a child of the living God. Amen. Now look what it says. I'm a child of the living God. Look here. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Who are we talking about? Who did Jesus overcome? Satan, right? Satan, darkness, sin. Now look what it says. Have overcome them. Have overcome them. When Notice what it says, have. It's past tense, isn't it? Have. You are of God, little children. You. Who is it talking to? Say me. Now look what it says. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Already. You have overcome them. Say it with me. I have overcome the enemy. Now look what it says here. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, I want you to get something, though. You already have overcome the enemy. You're not going to overcome the enemy. He's already overcome. So why would you let someone steal who's already lost the key, lost the lock, lost the is in prison? In other words, (laughs) it doesn't make any sense to let the devil steal from me when he's already lost his power and ability. He has no influence in my life. He has no power. He cannot do anything in my life. Why would I let him put sickness on me? Why would I allow poverty to come in my life? Why would I allow that strife? Why would I allow these things to come in my life when he's all, I've already overcome him? I don't, I don't need to fight him. I've already. How have I already overcome them? You might say, I've never fought the devil because this is, it's this simple. Jesus' victory over the devil was my victory over the devil. Jesus' victory over the devil was your victory over the devil. When he defeated Satan, you defeated Satan in him. In him. You get it? That's where we get into those in him realities. I was baptized. I died when he died, right? I was risen when he was risen. When he was victorious over the devil, I was victorious over the devil. When Satan looks at you, <laughs> if you're ignorant and you don't know these things, he'll try to do all kinds of things. But what you need to understand, when the devil looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees his victory. He sees that <laughs> we've already sent his saddle home. He's got no power, no ability. Now he can bark, he can yell, he can say, I'm going to put this on you, I'm going to do that. He can seek and lie, he can do all kinds of things, but the reality is, no, I'm a child of God and I've already overcome you, devil. Get out of here in Jesus' name. I'm not listening to those lies. 
I mean, you have no authority. You peon. You're nothing to me. You have no authority. So when the devil comes in your life and begins to remind you of all the dirty, rotten things you do, what do you need to tell him? All those things may be true, but they're none of your business. Because I'm not your child. I'm a child of God. And I've already won, so get out of here in the name of Jesus. And then you go deal with your Heavenly Father about the things in your life you need to deal with. But it's none of His business. And see, the more we hear this word, how does faith come? By hearing and hearing the word. What do we need to do is hear this week after week after week after week until it just becomes part of you. It just becomes part of who you are. And when the devil comes along trying to slap you, you say, oh, I don't think so. And make his life miserable. Go ahead and say, let's go ahead and read the back of the book, devil. Let's see what happens. I guarantee you he ain't going to stick around very long. The last thing he wants to hear is some of that. You understand what I'm saying? You start, listen to me, you start coming at the devil with the word of God. How did Jesus defeat the devil? With the word, right? You take that sword and you stick it to him. And you stick it to him until he just gets tired and jabbed. See, remember, is there a real spiritual battle going on? Am I really hurting the enemy? I am. Make him bleed. Make him bleed. Remind him. I'm telling you guys, you don't have to allow fear to rule your life. You don't have to allow the enemy to have any influence in your life or family. But you got to stand in the gap. you got to understand these things. And you got to get them in your heart, not just in your head. you got to meditate on them. you got to confess this over and over and over and over until all of a sudden it hits you. Holy cow, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? I'm a child of the living God, and I've already overcome the devil. Amen? So I wouldn't allow any negative things in my life, any way, shape, or form. Amen? If it's stealing, killing, and destroying in any way, it ain't Jesus. And if it ain't Jesus, I don't want it. Amen? Amen.